This is Rob Long with Martini Shot for The Ankler. A friend of mine has, or I guess by this time had, a very gloomy and pessimistic grandfather who used to say around this time in the summer that after the 4th of July, the summer is basically shot in the ass. Now, the summer, for the record, runs officially from the third week in June to about the third week in September, so that's three months. That's 12 weeks. The 4th of July is three weeks into the summer, or only about 25% of it. So the kind of person who thinks that after that day, the summer is essentially over, is the kind of person who really knows how to drain life of every kind of joy. The kind of person who is not, as we are told to be, really present in the now. A Saturnine kind of person who's always looking for reasons to be bitter. In other words, a show business kind of person. Now, the best part about the entertainment business right now is that there are lots of places to do interesting work, lots of new venues for risk-taking, lots of people looking for the next fresh thing. But that's also the worst part about the entertainment business because it means that there are also lots of other people trying to get something on the air. More people every day, every minute. Lots of competition, lots of writers coming up with lots of ideas and stories and ways of telling those stories that are, if not better than yours, certainly sooner than yours. In the office pitching before yours. Already with talent attached before yours. Your project, in other words, is a July 5th project. It is already shot in the ass. Now, the most awful and debilitating thing you can say to a writer in the entertainment business isn't, your script is bad, they've heard that, believe me, or you're not really talented, they've heard that too. The worst thing you can say when the writer tells you what he's working on is, oh yeah, they, they did that. They they did that, like last year? It was on Epics or Stars, or the one that used to be the one that was just Hitler documentaries. Yeah, they did it. They did it. It was pretty good, I think. But mine is different, the writer will say. And you will say, uh, really? I mean, you got the guy with the problem, and he's got to prove he's not the one who did the thing, and she's not believing him, even though they're probably falling in love. Plus, there's the dead friend. Yeah, it's kind of similar. No, no, mine is different. Oh, I'm not saying, you will say, that you saw it and are now making small changes to the details to make it seem like it's a fresh idea, even though it's pretty much exactly what they did. I'm not saying that. But you did just say that. Now, look, I mean, there's a thousand channels. Maybe somebody wants to just put the same thing on that's already been done because, you know, they did that. Now, that's actually not the dialogue that anyone would ever say to another person. That's the kind of cruel and undermining dialogue that can only come from the inside, from the part of the brain that wants the other part of the brain to know it's a piece of crap and too late. What holds most of us back in the entertainment industry, and probably in a lot of other places too, but I only know this one, isn't our own insecurity. I mean, pretty much every meeting I've ever been in since my first days in the business involved a group of people pretty sure in the dark recesses of their minds, that everything they were about to say or do or decide to do or pitch or buy or pass on was going to turn out just awful. So that we can deal with. That we overcome every time we drive through the gates. What holds us back is they did that, which implies a cascade of things, including they did that better or they did that and it didn't work or they did that and everyone will think you've got nothing fresh to say. And the responses always seem so thin and defensive. Well, of course they did that. They've done everything. Or, hey, there are only four stories anyway. Or my personal favorite, the one I use is, hey, I know they did it, but I'm doing it funny. I'm doing the comedy version. Now, here's really all you need to know. Yes, they did that, a version of it anyway. But someone somewhere is in your exact position also realizing that they did that. And that person isn't going to stop. 
That person is not going to be deterred. That person sees another nine weeks of sunny, beachy, unshot-in-the-ass summer ahead. And that person is going to write and pitch and sell that script, the one that maybe resembles in some way something that they did. And you're going to see it on the air and think, they did that again. I mean, we spent a lot of time in this business thinking about them, about what they did, and what for some reason they're allowed to do and we're not. I mean, a writer friend of mine was buying me lunch this week, which means I was obligated to hear him complain. He had pitched a couple of drama ideas the week before to a lot of TV networks and so far had not really received the response he was expecting, which was to be carried triumphantly around the room by the network executives and then showered with money. Now, I find listening to other people complain kind of soothing. In the first place, it allows me to just plow through my lunch at my own pace without all of that timing sensitivity I usually have to have, worrying about whether we're both finishing our sandwiches in roughly evenly spaced intervals. I mean, I hate being the guy with half of the second half gone while the other guy is still halfway through the first half. But if your lunch companion is first buying and second letting loose with a long monologue about the unpredictable unfairness of the entertainment industry, all you have to do is nod and eat. I mean... That's what you should do. What I do, unfortunately, is try to interject little things here and there into the conversation without also interjecting little things from my meal into the air. So when I heard the basic gist, which is that my friend's pitches were rejected, even though each network has roughly similar things on the air and not even as well thought out or interesting or fresh, I I covered my mouth a bit while sending the signal that I was about to say something, and I said, mouth sort of full, yeah, but... They get to do that. What do you mean, they get to do that? They get to do that, I said, already at the cookie part of the lunch, despite my friend still being on the first half of his sandwich. I stopped myself from eating my cookie and decided to wait for him to catch up. They who? The network, he asked? No, I said. They, everybody else, they, other writers, they get to pitch stuff that isn't as good or as fresh or isn't fully baked or whatever. They get to sell ideas about ghosts or Jesus or cowboy cops or spooky little kids. And if you do it, you're ignored and unsold and probably on your way to getting dropped by your agent. But they get to do it. And when they do it, they get put pilot orders backed up with big penalties and they get bigger stars to be in their projects. They get to do that and you don't. I'm not sure why I said it this way. But it's been something I've been trying out on myself for a few months. A little theory about making your way in the entertainment industry. Probably any industry. I don't know because I don't know any other industry. But it starts from the premise that everyone else has it easier and faster than you do. And that they get to do things that you don't. They get to go in and pitch log lines and magazine articles and stuff they heard from a relative back from wherever they came from. Which in the entertainment business is increasingly just the Pacific Palisades. But that's just that. I explained all of this to my friend while he was catching up to the cookie course. I said, look, I get it. It all seems lopsided and unfair and infuriating, but it's also way too exhausting to think about. I mean, I'm trying to come up with ideas that are fun and mine and not spend too much time wondering why someone else sold something like it and I didn't, mostly because I'll never get an explanation that's satisfying. I mean, the only reason a TV writer will accept for not selling a series idea is because there's this giant ledger somewhere keeping track and it's all part of a divine plan to reward that writer in some insanely over-the-top way later and punish everyone else who was allowed to do what he or she wasn't? Because after the 4th of July, the summer is shot in the ass for some people, like you, and an upcoming cruise around the Greek islands, or a month on Lily Pond Lane for everybody else. So, I mean, just come up with another project. 
something else, something undeniable. I find that attitude infuriating, my friend said, and I don't even believe you think that way because it is too evolved for you. And then, and then he ate my cookie, which was his right. He's allowed to do that. He was paying after all, but it was also a test, which I passed by ignoring it until I was driving home and I stopped for an ice cream cone, which everyone knows is better than a cookie. Plus, an ice cream cone is more summery. And while you're eating it, you can't really do anything else except think. And what I thought about was them. There was once a study done of people in the military. It measured stress levels and general unhappiness of certain divisions. And what it uncovered was this, that people serving in divisions of the military where there were lots of promotions, where people moved up through the ranks more quickly, they were the most stressed out and unhappy divisions in the entire military. In other words, if you spend a lot of time watching other people get good stuff, your summer ends early. You become stressed out and unhappy. You develop tics and twitches. Your health deteriorates. You get bitter and curdled. Everything turns sour and angry. Again, the entertainment industry. So especially in award season, when the business is busy handing out awards to itself, or actually from the perspective of the study, declining to hand out awards to most of the movies, actors, directors, writers who did stuff. I mean, if you read the trades, it seems like everyone is selling TV shows, which means that the very small fraction of the pilot scripts that get bought and written, which was itself a very small fraction of the pilot scripts that got pitched, they're going to get produced, making the odds worse for the meeting you're about to have next week, which was probably going to get rescheduled anyway due to someone else's summer vacation schedule. So all over town, all at once, the kind of stressful anger that the researchers studying post-war behaviors among military personnel in 1947 discovered that it's awful to be around people who are succeeding erupts in the 310 area code. There's lots of shrugging and lots of bitter post-game analysis. Okay, so now that I see what they actually greenlit, it's clear that they didn't really want something with a little more texture, which is what I gave them. And that's okay, because they'll probably all be fired soon, and I'll just deal with a new team. Which, if you believe the research, is an unhealthy response. Because you're supposed to be above that kind of thing. You're supposed to be grateful just to have been nominated. You're supposed to see that this is all a game of risk and chance and a well-compensated one at that, in which there will always be some winners and some losers and some baffling wild-card decisions in there to keep it interesting. What you're not supposed to do, we're told, is plunge into a bitter bath of anger and recrimination, vow secret revenge on your newfound enemies, wish ill on your colleagues, and stew in your own stress-creating, health-eroding, bilious filth. But on the other hand, bitterness could be a good career move. I mean, watch someone collect the award, the praise, the pilot order, and what this is all about anyway, the money. And if you find yourself wallowing in rage at the injustice of it all, that's probably a bad thing. But if you find yourself redoubling your efforts, re-energizing your work and your commitment just because you can't wait to see the look on the faces of those idiots who doubted you, well, is that so bad? I mean, why else, really, if you're in this business, or any business, I think, should you push yourself to succeed, if not at least in part, to get fawning calls from the very people who refused to return yours last year? I mean, at a certain point, money is just money. But vengeful satisfaction? Priceless. So if you're not nominated or don't have a show of your own, turn the gaseous vapors of jealousy into the hard diamond of determination. You like what I did there? And don't turn 
too quickly from the award shows or the smiling faces of pilot producers in the trades because those smiles, I'm here to assure you, are wide and happy, not just because they won something, but beneath each one, animating it is a quiet little moment of triumphant revenge against someone or a group of someones, against them, they, who a year or so ago or maybe even longer passed them over, against, in other words, the they that get to do that. And you, you have the rest of the summer to do something too. And that's it for this week. Next week, we will dress up for work. For The Ankler, this is Rob Long with Martini Shot.